возлюбленной Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к преддверию нашей надежды. Да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за столь великую привилегию быть на месте всем, которое очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество, все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего. Пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым. Позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки. Веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. Oh 
Yeah. 
исследовать вновь и погружаться в глубины нашего наследия во Христе Иисусе, которое содержится в засекреченном коде в Священном Писании, неизменным эпиграфом к разбору Слова Божия нашего наследия, Евангелия Луки, глава 24-44 стих. «И сказал Иисус ученикам Своим, «Вот то, о чем Я вам говорил еще бы с вами, что надлежит исполниться всему написанному о Мне в законе Моисеевом и в пророках и псалмах». Итак, чтобы нам, как причастникам тела Христова, разделиться Христом исполнение всего написанного о Нем в Писании, мы продолжим наше исследование в направлении нашей соработы со Святым Духом и с истиной Слово Божие в том, что необходимо предпринять со своей стороны, чтобы получить право на власть, отложить прежний образ жизни, чтобы облечься в новый образ жизни. Послание апостола Павла Ефесянам, глава 4, стихи 22-24. «Отложить прежний образ жизни ветхого человека which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. To fulfill this command, we need to utilize, as we already know, three charging and fundamental verbs, and these are put off, be renewed, and put on. And to confirm the given command, we will read another place of Scripture in which the same author, in a different form, writes a similar truth, calling us to remove the sinful man and his deeds and be dressed into the new man, who is able to be renewed in knowing the image of the one who created him. Colossians 3, 8 through 11, But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. This is the life of the filthy, the old man. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor, nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ Christ is all in all. We've noted that your decision regarding these three impacting questions will determine, that is, will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath, or more specifically, will the completion of our salvation happen? That is given to us in the format of a guarantee to invest, or will we lose it and our names be forever blotted out of the book of life, although it may have been written there at one point? In a specific format, we've already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the next question. 
What conditions are we to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. When speaking about clothing ourselves into our new person, we've concluded that we need God's help. That is, we need His mercy. Because the mercy of God is the great and unique power of God, identifying the essence of God as well as His imperishable inheritance of peace, prepared by God for man, born from the seed of the word of truth and performing His righteousness. The means of receiving any kind of help from God, which we see as the inheritance of the mercies of God, is the weaponry of prayer or worship, <clears throat> worshiping in spirit and truth. Since prayer isn't just a man's means of communication with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven, a tool that activates the given law of God. Man gives heaven that right so that heaven may intervene upon the earth. And we can possess the right that activates the given law of God only upon his established conditions. In our dedication to God, our inner state is the same as the inner state or inner essence of God. One of the prayers of David written in the 143rd Psalm accurately revealed the conditions upon which a man is called to give God the right to interject his mercy into the life of this person. This has been the component of our continual study. Psalm 143, 1 and lower. Lord, hear my prayer. O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands, I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies, in you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Re revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. And so therefore, to be heard by God, David needed to present, as well as us, we need to present a basis, cause, or particular right that would be able to serve as sufficient evidence before God so that God can intervene into David's life with his faithfulness and his righteousness. And such evidence in this prayer, as we already know, were ten arguments that David presented to God, saying, Hear me. And this is in the psalm. He says, Hear me in your faithfulness and in your righteousness. Hear me because I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. Hear me because I spread out my hands to you. Hear me, for in you do I trust. Hear me because I lift up my soul to you. Hear me, because in you I take shelter. Hear me, for you are my God. 
Hear me for your name's sake. Hear me for your righteousness' sake. And hear me for I am your servant. In the previous services, we had already studied the nature of the first argument that was evidence that David abided in faithfulness and righteousness, that gave God the lawful right to stand on the side of David in his oppositions against his enemies. And we stopped to study the second argument. The second argument is evidence written upon the tablets of the heart of David that he presented in prayer in the memories of the days of old and all of the deeds that God had done in those days. He confessed them and he brought them forth in prayer. This form of evidence is the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, which is a continual remembrance or a continual memorial before God, containing the component of continual prayer. The, in Scripture, as we know, there are a lot of items that are a memory before God or a reminder, we could say, for God. But all of this these things are and God remembered Noah, and he brought him out of the ark. The wind blew, or God remembered about Israel, and so forth. But this breastplate of judgment is an element, unlike the rest of these items, are, is a continual memorial before God. And the breastplate of judgment was created for one purpose, and this purpose was the urm and the thummim in the heart of a man. The existence of these two allowed God to hear man, and man to hear God. One component, because the Word of God and the Holy Spirit are one. Therefore, to be heard by God in the revelations of His Urim, it is necessary to keep within your mind the works of God, this is His Thummim, that God had done in the days of old. Thummim is the truth of the Word of God written upon our heart, and the Urim is the Holy Spirit that explains or reveals the truth or the mystery of the Thummim, the mystery that is written upon our heart, that we received by the instructions of faith. Answering the second question, what purpose has the breastplate of judgment as a component of continual remembrance within the relationship of a redeemed person and God himself? We came to the conclusion that the breastplate of judgment as an item of continual remembrance before God is a sacral symbol of the format of continual prayer. Prayer that is not in accordance to the requirements and characteristics of the breastplate of judgment does not have the right to be called prayer, because only the format of continuous prayer presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest gives us the right to come before God and to enter the holy place as kings and priests of God. Not possessing the virtues of a king and a priest that we can be dressed into only leaving the position of spiritual childhood, dying for our nation, our house, and our corrupt desires that are often dressed in religious forms, we will not be able to present the interests of the judgments of God in accordance to those commandments and statutes that identify the union of teachings of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, containing, contained in the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment and the twelve names of the sons of Jacob written upon these stones. Here is how Apostle Paul presented the nature of the breastplate of judgment, symbolizing continual prayer in his books. He just said, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving, Colossians 4.2. This place of scripture is required to be studied and understood in detail. 
We note that continuity in, or continuing earnestly in prayer identifies a joyously burning lamp, identifying the condition of the righteous heart of a man. Proverbs 13.9, the light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. The lamp is the spirit of the Lord. Only the spirit of a new a person born again, not any spirit, but one who is born again. And being born again, one who has also grown into full measure in Christ. A person that has not been grown into full measure in Christ, his lamp can't joyously burn and he cannot be a light because his light is still darkness. He's still a spiritual child. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put, up, put out. The built order of the breastplate of judgment identifies the demands of spirit and truth that the true worshipers of God need to have, whom God seeks. John 4.23.24 But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Breaking or interfering the order of building of the breastplate of judgment, identifying the state and nature of a true worshiper of God, when we will be making ourselves into this breastplate of judgment, if it is not built correctly, the breastplate of judgment loses its nature and its purpose. A person loses the right to be a warrior in prayer. Worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth includes not peddling with the truth when pursuing the goals that God has placed in Scripture, as people have done in all times and many do today because of their stiff neck and for to, for the benefit of their greed and their hypocrisy. In the Septuagint, Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, the breastplate of judgment is called the sign of justice, as by the means of the urim and the thummim that is contained in the breastplate of judgment, God reveals to man his judgments, his revelations, his explanations, his truth. The symbol of the breastplate of judgment is identified as the conscience of a man, purified from dead works. Upon the tablets of whom, just as a sign it, the teaching of Jesus Christ is imprinted that came in the flesh. The conscience of such a person, or through the conscience of such a person, the Holy Spirit can show and reveal and speak where's the truth and where is the lie. Therefore, the conscience that is purified of dead works with imprinted faithfulness and righteous, righteousness upon its tablets is called to identify the nature of true worshipers of God that upon the foundation of faithfulness and righteousness would be able to worship God in spirit and in truth and in this way give God the right to function in them and through them upon planet Earth. In a specific format, we already studied the measurements and the materials or nature of materials from which the breastplate of judgment is supposed to be built that we need to be in accordance to within our spirit and stop to study the next requirements which state <coughs> Exodus 20 17 through 21 and you shall put settings of stones in it four rows of stones the first row shall be serious topaz and emerald second row shall be turquoise sapphire and diamond the third row jacinth agate and amethyst and the fourth row beryl onyx and jasper they shall be set in gold settings. 
And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names, like the engraving of a sign at each one with its own name. They shall be according to the twelve tribes. We note that the twelve golden filigree settings of the breastplate of judgment is the living, undamaged, and presented in its original form, truth, identified as eternal life imprinted and abiding upon the tablets of our heart, identifying the word of God that once came out of the mouth of God. Therefore, the twelve golden settings identify the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, that we as worshipers of God are called to present in our continual prayer. We need to pray in accordance to the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. The twelve precious stones with engraved upon them as a sign at names of the sons of Israel is a symbol and format of a continual prayer, presenting the perfect judgment of God. From this we can see that it wasn't the golden settings being the truth of the Word of God that were adjusted in measurement and configuration to the precious stones, but the precious stones were the ones which are our prayers are the ones that were adjusted and configured to fit the golden settings of truth. Continual prayer in the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment with the twelve names is a persisting prayer that in its intercession presents the interests of the will of God and does not sway away or step away from the goal until what is asked for is received. The building of the breastplate of judgment contains not just measurements in nature of materials, but also methods and means that are called to identify the nature of a continual prayer, necessary for reaching the goals that God has placed for us to build the kingdom of heaven within our heart, which is also identified as the tree of life within our heart. Growing the tree of life within your heart is building yourself up into a new person, created in accordance to God in righteousness and holy truth, into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. With this we will remember that all the beauty and order of the temple was built for one holy item and for the service of that one holy item. This was the golden ark of the covenant. Everything was surrounding this golden ark of the covenant because that's where the Lord was. The same thing with the ephod of the high priest with a connected to it breastplate of judgment. It was created for and served only one holy item. This item very accurately was called to duplicate and fulfill the function of the golden ark. This was the Urm and the Thummim. Because the golden ark of the covenant as well as the breastplate of judgment symbolize from different angles and with various purposes the conscience of a man cleansed from dead works which now contains the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. The Urim and the Thummim in Hebrew means light and perfection, light and the right or revelation and truth. For example, the Ten Commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant is the truth. These Ten Commandments symbolize Christ because any word of God sends us to Christ or directs us to Christ because He is the word of God. And this truth upon the breastplate of judgment is the Thummim. The revelation that a person could receive at the mercy seat or the lid of the Ark is the Urim in the breastplate of judgment. Therefore, only a person who has a conscience cleansed from dead works or a wise heart upon which the truth in the form of the Thummim is imprinted can be a worshiper of God. 
The revelation of God, also known as his Urim, can function and rest only within the boundaries of truth. This truth within the heart of a person is the Thummim, the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh, as it is written. Exodus 31.6, I have put wisdom in the heart of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. God will not be placing into the heart of a spiritual child. You can't call uh, him foolish because you don't call your child foolish you just you they just haven't grown yet and even in the heart of a foolish one or the heart of a spiritual child he will not place wisdom until this heart becomes wise practically it's talking about the quality and friendship of two formats of wisdom that are contained in the Thummim and the Urim and about the fact that carriers of the Urim and the Thummim are true worshippers of God and possess the immune system. This is the most fascinating thing is that they possess the immune system of the Holy Spirit. And so if a person will mock the Holy Spirit, he will not be forgiven. Just as if anyone mocks those who carry the Urim and the Thummim to possess the immune system of the Holy Spirit, they will not have forgiveness and repentance, not in this or the next generation. You see what God says of Levi about people who have the virtue, the quality of Levi, that means binded to God. You yourself bind yourself to God, being led by the Spirit of God. Deuteronomy 33, 8-11, And of Levi he said, Let your Thummim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor did he acknowledge his brothers, or know his own children, for they have observed your word and kept your covenant. They are Levites. If, if you translate it more into how we understand they are those led by the Spirit of God they shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law they shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar they are the fragrance of Christ blessed is his substance O Lord and accept the work of his hands strike the loins of those who rise against him and of those who hate him that they not rise again when it's written and stand in the liberty that Christ has given, strike them pretty much so that they no longer can be in that liberty, so that they not have this liberty, because they had risen against those people that are led by the Spirit of God. With this we note that the future of men that say of themselves that they belong to the chosen by God nation, however hate and confront the carriers of the Thummim and the Urim, hate them because they themselves do not have the Thummim and the Urim, this wisdom. Their future is the lake of fire burning with fire and brimstone. In a specific format, we have already looked at the first five qualities of a warrior in prayer and the first five precious stones of the breastplate of judgment by which God can continuously reveal His will upon planet Earth and stop to study the sixth quality and precious stone diamond. Each, diamond, each stone carried some kind of name of God. We know that the sixth name carved upon the precious stone of the breastplate of judgment upon the tablets of our heart is the name of the sixth son of Jacob, Naphtali, which means wrestler. 
And Rachel's maid Bila conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. One who is prevailing in battle, so she called his name Naphtali. Genesis 37.8 We note that the diamond is a brilliant stone. It's a pure carbon, and so that is why it contains great hardness and resistance. The word brilliant doesn't apply to any other stone except for the brilliant shine and polish of a diamond. According to the Jewish rabbinate, the name of God we see revealed in the precious diamond stone in Hebrew is El Hai which when translated means God is alive. Therefore, based on the definition of the name Naphtali upon the precious diamond stone, we can conclude that the function of the sixth principle identifying the nature of continual prayer with which we need to be a continual memorial before God is our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to abide with us in our prayer battles against the powers of hell which confront us when we fulfill the will of God by the name of the living God. Jeremiah 10.10, But the Lord is the true God, He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. The name of the living God is a format of an oath in the nation of Israel. And the category of the nation that had not learned to swear by the living God or swore falsely were completely destroyed. When a person unlawfully says, He is righteous or I am righteous, or I am saved, or I am holy, but lives the life of Satan, then of course he is vowing or making this oath unlawfully. His He will be destroyed from his nation, from the holy nation. Jeremiah 12, 16, 17. And it shall be, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name, to swear by the name of God, you need to know the old path of good as the Lord lives as they taught my people to swear by Baal then they shall be established in the midst of my people the Jews called uh, they they said that yeah Baal is Yahweh is what they would say but if they do not obey I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation says the Lord Therefore, to not be eliminated by the wrath of the living God, it is necessary to learn the ways of the nation of God, to swear by the name of God El Hai, or by the living God. And these ways are the paths of the commandments and statutes of God, the conditions that give us the right to learn the ways or paths of God's commandments and statutes, to swear by the name of the living God, is the thirst to know them. Psalm 119, 32 through 35, I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. The word alive or living when it, when talking of God or talking about God is abiding or one who is with unconditional authority, defining the Genesis, creating the Genesis, holding the Genesis, keeping the Genesis, ruling over the Genesis and commander and Lord of the Genesis. Deuteronomy 10, 20 and 21, you shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him. And to him you shall hold fast and take oath in his name. 
A person does not have the right to swear by the name of the living God if he does not have the fear of the Lord, if he does not serve only him but serves also something else, some kind of idols, anointing, blessing, gifts of the Holy Spirit, materialistic prosperity, and so forth. <clears throat> the church or, or anything else, his denomination, you could serve some kind of art, Um, some kind of direction of evangelism, some kind of good work. But here it is written when people will fear the Lord and serve him only and hold fast, they shall take oath in his name. He is your praise and he is your God who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. The results of swearing by the name of the living God was always the fulfillment of the promise of God for the sake of which the oath was made. The power of a warrior in prayer contained within the quality of the name of the living God is called to present the unlimited power of God over Genesis in the allotted by Him for us time and boundaries. Therefore, it is necessary for us to determine what goal God has in His intentions when He urges and calls His children to become warriors in prayer. Also, in what way and upon what conditions is God able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer so that man may present the interests of God and implement or actualize his inheritance in God? Per the definitions provided in Scripture, to be a warrior in prayer is the lawful and privileged inheritance of holy men of all times. This is their primary or first most purpose that is revealed in their calling, to trample upon uncleanness and the unclean in their prayer battles. This is one of the greatest positions that is gifted by God to man, in which a person becomes a king and a priest to God and is seen by God as a brilliant stone or the diamond stone with the name of Naphtali. So be, he be in accordance to that. Thus, filigree setting that he will be placed into. Not being a king and a priest to God in the virtue of which a person receives the right to reign with his, inf his informational organ over his emotional organ. His informational organ is his renewed mind over his emotional organ. It is impossible to be a warrior in prayer if you are not controlling with your informational organ. The prayer of a warrior in prayer is a sacral or holy mystery that has an earth unearthly genesis. Therefore, it is inaccessible to the comprehension of the human mind or human abilities. We more than once note that by its nature, the genesis of prayer is the genesis of God. Prayer is the language of God identifying the essence of God and identifying the word of God that identifies the genesis of God. Prayer has always been the mystery of God as it has always existed in his presence as his golden scepter of favor that he stretched forth to the one that would seek his face in performing his will. If anyone, however, dared come to him upon his own personal conditions, not being called into his presence, then God's golden scepter of favor was not stretched out to the one asking. <clears throat> in the temple, uh, God physically killed people who did this. If a person who was not prepared and attempted to enter into the Holy of Holies, he perished. <clears throat> and we know about this and the result in result the per, the per, this person's prayers were not heard <clears throat> John 9:31 now we know that God does not hear sinners but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will he hears him 
When sinners uh, pray, uh, religious people, they, they pray and they find satisfaction for they satisfy their religious ego. They can't even determine whether they're sinners or righteous. They say that they're righteous, but they're not lawfully righteous is what they say. They don't have evidence that they are righteous. In accordance to this place of scripture, God becomes the initiator of prayer if the situation is that a warrior in prayer and the virtue of his worshiper begins to pray with the language of God, identifying the precious essence of God in his unchanging will. <clears throat> when a person begins to pray in accordance to uh, scripture, in accordance to God's will, he hears his will and he, and he accepts it. Now it is not us who initiate the prayer, but God initiates because we, w we pray in accordance to his will. And the initiator of our prayers then becomes God and not us because we pray in accordance to his will. Because the right to come close to and stand before God in prayer is the exclusive prerogative of God. No one is able to or will dare by themselves to come close or approach God, the God that desires to abide in darkness or mystery or in the unapproachable light. <clears throat> a person can seek him he can he can be close to you he can be next to you and you may not feel or see him he can fill all things but a person says show me God I don't see him but he abides in all things and everywhere in his creation but the person does not see him <clears throat> it is good when they don't see him uh, when they don't know God but it's unfortunate when they don't see him people who know God Jeremiah 30, 21, 22 their nobles shall be from among them and their governor shall come from their midst then I will cause him to draw near and he shall approach me for who is this who pledges his heart to approach me says the Lord you shall be my people and I will be your God when this person shall be called forth from my nation then will you be my nation I will and I shall be your God of course if you call upon this governor which is Jesus in accordance to this prophetic revelation we can see that approaching or entering God's presence is the task of one governor that comes from the nation seed of Abraham this is the only son of God in the status of a son of man in whom and by whom anyone born from God and seeking God would and is able to approach and enter God's presence just the same <coughs> it's written all will battle but one comes to victory Jesus will be the coming to victory and you will share then in his triumph Jesus of course will come first for, to, uh, in victory and so he be first in all things and all those who are in him will share this first portion with him 1 Timothy 1.18 This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. To define and build a clear and orderly for a system that will teach us and help us to get to know the language of God and the signs contained in the nature of continual prayer, identifying the state of a warrior in prayer that would be able to be founded on specific commandments of God, giving man the lawful right to swear by the name of the living God. 
According to the revelations written in Scripture, our prayer in the quality of a warrior in prayer, identified by the virtue of the diamond, needs to be continual, persistent, diligent, with boldness, with reverence, with revealing or expressing the faith of your heart, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, or praying in tongues. Further, we note that each of the ten listed righteous qualities are present in each other, come one from the other, strengthen one the other, complete one the other, and identify the truthfulness of one the other. In other words, each of the ten listed qualities are existing in balance and are present in each of the other nine. Therefore, the truthfulness of each of the qualities is determined by the presence of the other qualities that together united make up a wonderful balance and perfect in knowledge. Nevertheless, each of the ten qualities has its own face, it's unrepeated and inherit only to it taste, color, odor, and character of behavior, and thus has its own exclusive and specific application to its own specific purpose. In a specific format, we have already looked at the signs of the first five qualities included in prayer, as well as the state of a warrior in prayer, identifying the atmosphere of his heart and stop to study the seventh quality within, within the nature of a warrior in prayer, this is thanksgiving in prayer. Thanksgiving in prayer is an expression or openness of a thankful heart before God. To better understand, this is to thank God for something that He has done for us or to thank Him with your actions, re uh, respond with an action to, uh, as a thank you to Him. To better understand the meaning or significance of the element of thanksgiving, we selected as a foundation for our learning for classical questions to help us better understand the essence that is contained in the quality and character of thanksgiving and to see the unconditional requirement of its presence in our prayer life with God. This is defining the essence and purpose of thanksgiving the price for obtaining thanksgiving. We had two parts on the first question, if you remember, defining essence and the purpose, keeping and devel developing thanksgiving and the fruits and rewards in the fruits of thanksgiving. But first I will once again list the antonyms or opposite qualities of prayer that we have been studying because having the background of the antonyms of each quality we will better and more clearly see the quality and character of the real qualities of prayer when there is an antonym, the opposite of the uh, true quality. The antonym of continual is unfaithful or one not continuing. The antonym of persistent is resistant. The antonym of diligent is lazy. The antonym of boldness is audacity. And the antonym of reverence is forsaking or hating. The antonym of the faith of God is unbelief or resistance to the faith of God. The antonym of thanksgiving is being unthankful. In Scripture, the quality or character included in the word thanksgiving, as with the previous qualities, is a necessity, a requirement, and a military command that is to be fulfilled without deviations. Not fulfilling this requirement breaks our relationship in the covenant with God and members us to the sons of destruction. According to the written scriptures, identifying the essence and purpose of the word thanksgiving, as with the other elements, is directly linked to the quality of our faith and to our obedience to the will of God. 
Before we continue to look at the quality and nature of a thankful heart to inspire zeal in us, I will again bring forth some expressions made about thanksgiving or some fam- of some famous philosophers, politicians, and other men of study in the format of aphorisms because their outlook, their understanding of thanksgiving, how unfortunate this may be, is greater or higher than the of those that should present or be the example, the uh, be the essence of true thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is an exquisite form of politeness. Thanksgiving is acceptance and a sign of the thankful heart. Thanksgiving is that little that is unable to be purchased for money. The ones that respond to the thankfulness of others are those that are mainly unthankful. For the soul, thanksgiving is not as much a obligation but a satisfaction. One that never uh, demands or requires. With this, we will remember that thanksgiving in prayer can only come from a good and thankful heart. That is the kind of heart a warrior in prayer has. That is how his prayers will also be. If our thanksgiving will not be in specific or revealed in specific actions, then this will mean that. Uh, we speak of the will of God but actually hate it and cast his words behind us. Psalm 50, 16, 17. But to the wicked God says, What right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you? In the previous services, we had already looked the first part of the first question, what worthiness, what criteria do the scriptures give to the quality thanksgiving, and I've been studying the second part, what purpose is our thanksgiving called to fulfill in our prayers to God. We note that the quality of thanking God, we need to be taught how to offer Praise. Psalm 119, 171, 172. My lips shall utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. We note that the key to understanding thanksgiving and the strategy of praise <coughs> is within the meaning of the word you shall teach me, which in Hebrew means, you shall send a teacher and instructor. When you will send me a teacher and an instructor, then will I be able to utter praise, or only will my, is, that is when my lips shall be able to utter praise. To learn to be a student in accordance to God's statutes, to learn from, your, from God's statutes to pay the price for learning, to become used to or accustomed to acting within the boundaries of God's statutes, to be instructed instructed upon the paths of God's statutes, to be prepared to fulfill God's statutes, and to be educated about exalting God's statutes, His words, His commandments, His holiness. From this we can see that if a person will not be taught the statutes that explain in what order you need to thank God in prayer and supplication that can uh, his thanksgiving will not be then an acceptable one. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made to, be made to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 7. When we, with thanksgiving, reveal our 
needs before God or desires before God. And if the peace of God does not fill us, then this means that we are unlawfully thanking God. We are not praying in accordance to the will of God. In our heart, we don't have the peace of God. Uh, Our prayer and supplication with thanksgiving that does not present evidence uh, of the deliverance that God provided will also be unanswered with all of this to understand the statutes that explain how to express thanksgiving and offer praise and how to watch after your own feet is not something that can be understood with our own intellect. If a person will not understand and admit this fact, his thanksgiving will not be one that is acceptable. Psalm 119, 169, 170. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me, give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. In Hebrew, the word give me understanding that David is uh, mentioning here when it's talking about when he uh, is trying to present the legitimacy of his prayer understanding is depending on the state of your heart and the state of the one you the 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 request you're making and so to be Given understanding is test and understand the will of God. Think deep of the mystery that is covered in his word. Allow God to pass on his understanding to you. Obtain the ability to differ good from evil. Be prepared to heed the word of God. To be instructed upon the paths of righteousness. Meditate upon the past things and link them with the future things. To be educated about the signs and the times. To be taught to care and take care of the given word. To receive wisdom to explain the reason for things that happen, to act wisely and behave wisely, to be able to widen or expand the boundaries of your inheritance. Due to such a collaboration with the revelation of this truth, David thanked God by offering a sacrifice of praise. David exalted the word of God in his body, specifically in the aspect where the law of sin and death still lived. I want to once again repeat that in our alarming days, a generation of unprecedented waves of all nature of perishing information perverting the word of God, only the one that loves the word, studies the word, meditates about the word, gets to know the word, submits to the word, depends on the word, and abides within the word, won't be strayed away to perish, into deception. We need to always remember that emotional emancipation and service to God, however blessed it may appear, firstly, is not criteria for spirituality or the fruit of the Spirit. And secondly, if our emotions are not being controlled by our our informational organ, our information organ being our renewed mind, cooperating with the truth of the written word, sooner or later our emotional emancipation in our worship to God will turn to a curse that will reveal itself in arrogance, impropriety, or indecency. To thank God when offering God praise within the order that is outlined in his statutes, it is necessary to continuously pay attention to the relationship of our thanksgiving revealed in praise and the statutes of God. For the Jewish version of the dictionary Strong, the meaning of the word praise when talking about the statutes of God includes these definitions. 
Praise is an assessment or evaluation of deeds done by God, the liberation of the glory of God concealed in his statutes, demonstration of the virtues that are contained in the statutes of God, honor the word of God contained in his statutes, glorification of the wisdom contained in God's statutes, a praise him of the word of God reflected in God's statutes, and the expression of the power of God that comes from God's statutes. The purpose of thanksgiving expressed in praise to God consists in activating and releasing the promises that are contained in the statutes of God from the unseen realm to the seen realm. And such a transformation is called by God to happen by the confession of praise and thanksgiving that is the faith of our heart, noted in the phrase, my lips shall utter praise or my lips shall utter thanksgiving expressed in praise when you teach me your statutes or my lips shall utter thanksgiving expressed in praise when your statutes will be the possession of my heart it is interesting that the phrase my lips shall utter praise after you teach me your statutes means my lips shall utter praise will strongly flow as a brook or a fountain of life will stream flow towards the direction of your heart will utter precious or sacred things will proclaim your liberty will establish your commands will walk in circles around the established by you inheritance will act in accordance to the commands of your statutes will express life that is concealed in your statutes will have a dialogue with you founded upon your statutes and will act being impacted or affected by the power of your statutes these definitions contain the components of the purpose of our thank thanksgiving in prayer that is expressed in the praise of our mouth that is called to flow from our heart as streams of life towards the direction of God's heart. Considering that the purpose of thanksgiving and praise to God is the fulfillment of the perfect will of God, I shall present ten items in which thanksgiving and prayer will pursue a goal that will allow God to fulfill His will and respond to man's thanksgiving with His own thanksgiving. The first purpose of thanksgiving and praise is called to reveal the life of God in our heart and flow, <coughs> and flow as a brook of life from the inside of our heart. We studied these in the last <coughs> sermons. The second purpose of thanksgiving and praise is called to flow from our heart as a stream towards the direction of God's heart. The third purpose of thanksgiving and praise is called to flow by the effect of life, giving power of the statute power of the statutes of God. <clears throat> the life-giving power of the statutes of God <clears throat> is the power of the Holy Spirit, more specifically His anointing, with which He anoints the chosen when they complete sanctification and dedicate themselves for service to God. So we are anointed when we dedicate ourselves, when we sanctify ourselves and then dedicate ourselves to God. Acts 1.8 But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So this happens not in the moment of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but when you sanctify yourself and now being taught the statutes of the Lord, you dedicate yourself to God. <clears throat> and in this moment of dedication, you become a king and a priest to God and receive the anointing, the royal power and the power of a priest. To be a witness, a witness of Christ is to be thankful to Him for the power of the Holy Spirit. Such a gesture of thanksgiving is revealed by diffusing or spreading this power of the Holy Spirit as the fragrance of Christ. This is also identified as 
or means not peddling the truth of the Word of God in your heart as many do and not becoming a stumbling block for <coughs> your surroundings. Therefore, <coughs> thanksgiving, confessing, confession of the faith of your heart with, without or with the absence of the power of the Holy Spirit, which is the fragrance of Christ, is thanksgiving that is lit up with a profane fire. The spring of this profane fire is the old man or old self, trying to claim the role of the Holy Spirit. This happens when a man accepts the Holy Spirit into his heart as a greatly honored guest and not as the Lord and Master of his life. Anyone has accepted the Holy Spirit as a greatly honored guest, he cannot be filled with this power. They will do everything by the power of their emotions and say that it's the Holy Spirit. They will be calling their emotions the Holy Spirit or the power of the Holy Spirit. The condition giving the lawful right to receive the power of the Holy Spirit is the demand to receive the Holy Spirit into your heart as the Lord and Master of your life. And for this purpose, it is necessary to be taught how to die for your nation, for your house, and your corrupt desires, so you can receive the right to leave the position of spiritual childhood or, inf or infancy and enter into the measure of fullness of Christ. And to be taught the stat statutes of God, it is necessary to be dressed into the mantle of a learner. This mantle is the authority that is placed over us by God, a teacher in his preached word. Only being dressed into a virtue of a student, accepting over yourself the authority of a teacher placed over you by God, a person dresses into the power of the Holy Spirit and doing so receives the ability and lawful right to run to God and call upon God. Romans 10, 13 through 17. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, but you can only call upon him when you, when you leave your nation, your house, and your corrupt desires. When you dedicate your life as a king and a priest to God. Before this time, a person will not even understand the meaning of this. They'll think that any prayer is calling upon God, but we perfectly understand that this is not so. So anyone who calls, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? They say, I have my own Bible, I have my own head, why do I need a preacher? People who say these things and come to the services as inspectors, not as teachers, or as students, but as, not as students, but as teachers or inspectors, Mainly as inspectors, they will not, of course, be able to understand anything preached. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 13 through 17. You see how everything is so tightly connected or bound. This is definitely not fragrance for the flesh. When it hears it needs to be obedient and only by being obedient can it be taught the faith of God. Summing up the given purpose, we see 
that our thanksgiving for receiving the power of the Holy Spirit and utilizing this power to call upon God and diffuse or spread it as the fragrance of Christ requires the process of leaving spiritual childhood or infancy. The process of leaving spiritual infancy is a process that is presented in conditions how to put off the previous way of life of the sinful man and act necessary so that our mind can be renewed with the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ within our spirit. The fourth purpose of thanksgiving and praise is called to utter in parables the hidden, sin, the hidden things since the creation of the world. To utter is to understand, is to take from the sa- secret things, the sacred things, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept in secret from the foundation of the world. Matthew 13:35. This is not the only place. Parable is an allegory that identifies the language of God or the word that comes out of the mouth of God that directs us to the fact that from one side any word in the Holy Scriptures is impossible to understand and interpret with your mind. And from the other, this is criminal or a great offense which will yield an eternity with the uncircumcised. When a person attempts with his head, with his mind, interpret and understand the scriptures. Further, a thankful person is a person when interpreting the holy scriptures depends on the preached word from the delegated of God, to whom God, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, trusted the revelation of his word in parables. 2 Peter 1, 20, 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. A prophecy is what is written in this book. This is what is what a prophecy is. This is not the prophecy people think when they begin to be inspired by speaking things. A person knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. A person daring to interpret the scriptures with his mind is a person that is unthankful, which will be evident in his unfaithfulness and hard heart. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Ezekiel 28.6.10, because you have set your heart as the heart of God, of a God when you with this mind intend uh, intend to understand uh, God's words only a renewed mind with the revelation you receive into your heart by the preached word of God's delegated peoples will be able to understand Therefore, thus says the Lord, because you have set your heart as the heart of a God, you shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of aliens, for I have spoken, says the Lord God. The death of the uncircumcised, your baptism of the Holy Spirit that you received by faith, will be as not baptism. The Holy Spirit will leave you just as he left Saul, and you will be blotted out of the book of life. But you won't know this until God will visit you. And at the time of visitation, a person then finds out that he's not in the book of life. And when he's not there, then God says that he has never been there. Because when God blots something out, he forgets that he at one point did write his name there. Just as he blots out the sins of men and writes them into the book of life and forgets 
completely that this person once had committed some some kind of or some some sort of sins when he blots out the name of a person he also does not remember that he once was there when people begin to say but we had taught with your name you've taught in our streets we with your name rebuke demons performed many miracles but they'll say away from me you, the law to the lawless I have never known you why because the biggest lawless thing and the greatest lawlessness that preachers inspire to others and preach they say that we need to with our personal mind uh, search the scriptures with our own mind we need to understand the scriptures to just gather it and put it into ourselves to just memorize it and prepare the heart to worship to hear the word of God to worship they teach when you come into the house of God prepare to your heart to listen and not worship and only then in this time will God begin to put into your heart but a person that God has placed so that he can read are a small number of people that he sends for this. Jesus, seeing this problem, told his disciples, pray so that about so that uh, the harvest may be gathered, for there are uh, many who are doers, but not many who are gatherers. And so today, the so blown-up so-called the- theologians and And when they say that Jesus is not a supernatural person, he's just, we are the same sons of God as Jesus is. They say they don't give him, uh, they don't uh, acknowledge him as part of the Godhead. Therefore, summarizing the given purpose, we can see that God, in response to the thanksgiving of the chosen person, has given this person the privilege to know the mystery of his language, that is, his parables. Thanksgiving of a chosen person is the but in the above-mentioned purpose consists in him not having the audacity or him not daring to interpret the Holy Scriptures with his mind, but humbles his mind before the revelation of God given to the person that God has placed over him. The fifth purpose of thanksgiving and praise is called to proclaim the manifestation of liberty from debt and servitude of all kinds of dependence. Leviticus 25.10 When it's talking about debt, they had physical debt, there was physical debt and physical slit literal slavery at the time and here it's talking about the debts that we have before God and slavery uh, slavery to sin and your flesh, your nation, your house your corrupt desires and you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. Leviticus 25.10 I shall remind us of one unique thing. In the scriptures, there's a command that this jubilee, this horn of jubilee would sound and it would only be for those who were not surrounded by walls. If they did not surround themselves with walls, pretty much that they relied upon when they were open and they relied only upon God, 
this ma- this this uh, affected them. But if they built walls, that means he will rely upon the walls that he built and not God. And so when the uh, this uh, trumpet of jubilee will sound or horn of jubilee, it will be only for those who rely upon God and don't rely, rely upon their walls. There are walls, of course, in a positive uh, and a negative. A wall, positive, is a wall that we need to build inside of ourselves so that we be, have a tower and from this wall we would be able to keep watch and wait to hear what God will say. But here it's talking about such a wall when people build these walls that they themselves then trust in and often these walls are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, anointing, blessings, the church. You understand that all these things are not supposed to be your wall. Your wall needs to be God who created the church. God that gave anointing. God who blesses and the anointer who anoints and the Holy Spirit that is the master of the gifts of of God. When people rely or trust upon something else, then they will not hear liberty. Yes, you can practice gifts of the Holy Spirit and so forth, but to be uh, binded by your old nature, always battle with uh, with these uh, burning fleshly wants and desires of uh, various kinds. And so a thankful person sees the work of God's redemption, where God does not input his sins and has given him the word of reconciliation. A thankful person thanks God for this. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not inputting their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5.19. But people have built so many different walls to have peace with God. They say we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this, but they don't hear anymore. Today there's entire brotherly conclaves and groups and it's unfortunate that conclaves today direct the churches brotherly councils that direct and control the churches the church is to be directed by one person the brotherly council if there is one they need to be helpers of the pastor but all needs to come from the head but we see today that churches are uh, are submitted to these brothers and are dependent on these brothers. The brotherly councils can call the pastor to themselves any time they want to to question him and condemn him and uh, require uh, him to repent before them. I know how pastors sometimes repented before the brotherly council and how he needed to choose among these brotherly councils uh, some that uh, lead and please them because they are stronger than he is. And of course this is a curse, this is a leprosy in the nation of God. God never intended for these things. One God, one man. And so when God gives us the the word of reconciliation with which he justifies us, the fact of this justification a person receives the Holy Spirit when he receives the, or the fact of justification this person learns of when he receives the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of his life. And by the means of the power of the Holy Spirit, he looks into the perfect law of liberty. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, 
but a doer of the work, James 1.25. Oftentimes, slogans are given to people that they are free and they are happy, kind of like they would march, even the Soviets and others, that they uh, pretty much proclaim that they don't have a mind or conscience or anything else, that only uh, uh, that everything is happy and that uh, you can't just take one place of scripture, you need to explain it. Because we, in accordance to scripture, we could see that God will not input the sins of a man upon the condition that he will convert his justification to righteousness. He will perform righteousness. He won't just say, I'm righteous and holy. He will perform righteousness. But to perform righteousness, it is necessary to know the perfect law of liberty, to be taught how to look into it. Again, James 1.25 and it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does, who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. The perfect law of liberty is liberty in Christ Jesus from sin that a thankful person obtains when he dies for sin in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He dies for his nation, for his house, and for his destructive desires. Before this time, this person was not free or in liberty, just as a child in Christ, a spiritual child in Christ. There's light, and God will resurrect him with this light, but the light in this person is still darkness. The sun, moon, and stars have not yet been placed upon his uh, skies or in in space, in his space. God said, may there be a light, and there was light, and he saw that it was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. If the light that is in you is darkness, then how great is that darkness? So the light that was that is in Christ can't be darkness. But one who has not died for his na- for for his uh, soul, we can we need to take our cross. We can take our cross when we leave our nation, our house, and our corrupt desires. An unthankful person is different in the way that he proclaims himself as righteous while remaining alive for sin and dead for righteousness. One who is unable to perform the righteousness of God, his love is tolerant. It's not a holy, godly love that separates him. He's ready to stretch his hands out to anybody, just as today in the world, even the world, not talking about the church, even the world, in its better sons and daughters, is a against this uh, liberal uh, uh, in sacral in their opinion that we need to accept all of the uh, all of this uh, uh, of the smaller groups, say, the lesbians and gays, now they've given them more rights than the rights to, to, to moral men. And today, moral people are considered not normal. Thanks, thanks to God that he gave us a president as a Donald Trump that had... He put Clinton, Hillary Clinton and Obama behind him with all their... Uh, ideology. He went and confronted these things, and he is still confronting them. They they are trying to move him. 
There is an unusual pressure upon him. And I think the church needs to pray for this person so that he would win this battle because he has confronted these people and without God he will not win because these people are being controlled by other gods and another god. When Hitler came to power, the entire Protestant church and all the Catholics were under him, submitted to him. They all gave, they all gave him permission to destroy the Jews. The President of the United States uh, wrote uh, to this Roman Pope, what are you doing? You're giving him the right to, to kill the Jews. But the Pope, being afraid by Hitler, of Hitler, he, he agreed and supported him and even wrote that God is with him. The same thing in Ukraine we see, for the most part, Christians have given the Benderevs the right to destroy Christians who would be against this ideology. And of course today, I mean the Benderevs, they're also against uh, uh, gays and lesbians. But these marriages have been legalized also and, and Parashen, he had signed also uh, a consent saying that we will also protect these people and Europe ahead of which soon will be this man uh, of destruction he will soon be ahead of this we need to pray about the Christians in Ukraine that need to be enlightened so that God delivered them from such presidents, from such leaders that sign these laws that destroy family and the moral morality of men in general. So summarizing the given purpose, we conclude that God, in response to the thanksgiving of a chosen by him person, this person thanks God for the given to him redemption this person received and waited for 50 years. God responded to man with his thanksgiving, giving the year of jubilee in, whom, in which redemption finally had, had a right. The sixth purpose of thanksgiving and praise consists in receiving strength called to establish what God has done for us. Your God has commanded your strength. Strengthen, O God, what you have done for us. Psalm 68, 28. This talks about the fact that this person is thankful. He's expressing thanksgiving to God. Considering that the strength of God is of multiple meanings and of multiple functions, we previously had studied the meanings of the strength of God in the fragrance of Christ, where we are Christ's witnesses. In this situation, strength, the strength that the human heart is thankful for, consists in this person's expressing faithfulness and trust upon God, by standing upon the position of the promises of God and proclaims the not existent as existent, confirming in this way who God is for him and what God has done for him. 
to establish what God has planned. It, it isn't not, it's not yet existing as it were, but they're proclaiming what is already, as if it were already existing. It needs to be evident that we are talking about such a confirmation that by the testimony of the Thummim and Urim is received and grown in the good and thankful soil of the human heart. Establish what you have and confirm what you have planned for me. Allow me to keep and water it, to keep it and keep it from any kind of perversion. If a person in his thanksgiving to God does not envelop this thanksgiving into the power of the Thummim and Urim that identify in his heart who God is for him and what God has done for him, then his thanksgiving is just a typical farce and empty deceptive words with which he prompts against himself the wrath of God. I will read Psalm 50, 19 through 22. You give your mouth to evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. Today there are a lot of thieves that say that God has set, spoken to me, but God has not spoken to them. For example, I hear how many preachers say, take what God has revealed to me and say that God has revealed it to them and only the things that they like. Some have admitted it directly. Yeah, I take only what I like. Only to show myself as authoritic or powerful. Uh, scaring the people. Uh, offering <clears throat> not the complete truth, <clears throat> not the complete truth, but just a partial truth. And so he says that a person needs to preach within the boundaries of Scripture, and if it's not within the boundaries of Scripture, you are not to obey uh, this pastor, but these don't say these things. They mix their intellectual ideas with with uh, with the things of God, uh, making Babylon. And so do you not know that friendship is a confrontation against God? And so what does it mean to have a friend with the world that anything lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh the lust of the flesh lust of the eyes you give your mouth to evil and your tongue frames deceit you sit and speak against your brother you slander your own mother's son. <clears throat> you support criticism against a holy man of a man in the church. Those people that sit next to you uh, they will be laughing against someone. Not all of us, of course, are, pl uh, are, are all, not all people are good, and uh, many of us are also simple, and many people are simple, and God revealed the, the truth. Uh, uh, people, uh, people are arrogant uh, about where they came from or their position or their statuses. Uh, and I'm very surprised when one simple person begins to 
belittle another simple person or lower as if he's from some special bloodline that he is on a level greater and he knows how people need to dress how they need to put makeup on what you need to do listen stop Come approaching others and teaching how to do makeup and how to dress. Allow each person to do the makeup that they themselves want to and dress as they find good. Don't teach him how to do it, at least in that. Don't uh, laugh at how a person dresses or speak uh, ill of these things. You sit and speak against your brother, you slander your own mother's son. These things you have done and I kept silent. Your thoughts that you thought that I was altogether like you, but I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. So summing up the above mentioned purpose, God in response to the thanksgiving of the chosen by him personally, who God is for him and what God has done for him, God is ready to respond with his thanksgiving by establishing what he had done for this man. The seventh purpose of the thanksgiving and praise is directing or is directed to fulfilling the statutes of God that are contained in the law of God, fulfilling the statutes of God that are contained in the laws of God. Exodus 16, 4, 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. He's doing this to test the people whether they will walk in God's law or not, and it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. To separate men who have a thankful heart from men that do not have a thankful heart, God has placed a statute that when fulfilled is called to test or examine their heart, and in this way identify people with a thankful heart and separate them from the people with an unthankful and hard heart. The essence of the statute with which God tests the heart of his nation to separate the thankful from the unthankful consists in them not bearing the silver of their salvation, that is, the manna that they gathered, and turned it to, but turned it to profit. They didn't, of course, eat everything. They didn't trust that tomorrow there would be more manna. They didn't trust God. They did not... Uh, turn it to profit. To turn to profit the silver of your salvation identified in the manna that they gathered means eat it by the morning of the next day. To bury into the ground the silver of your salvation symbolizes or symbolizing this gathered manna means to leave it until morning. See what happens with these people and with this manna that they left. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stink, and Moses was angry with them. You understand, when the word of God that a person receives, he does not turn it to profit. He doesn't die for his nation, for his house, and for his corrupt desires. This word uh, will stink uh, in this person and will run from this church and say, what is this church? What's going on here? You remember how they were sh yelling, everyone's saying something against somebody else. What is this dictatorship? What is it they don't give us any freedom there? It began to stink for them, not just stink, the manna. They did not accept the word into their heart. Uh, when uh, they accept words and 
and it begins to stink. This person begins to stink, and it's dangerous to be then in the presence of such people. And God then does His work and begins to separate, to know how to separate, how to separate them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need, and when the sun became hot, it melted. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today, and boil what you will boil, and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until tomorrow. So they laid it up till morning as Moses commanded commanded and it did not stink nor were there worms in it then Moses said eat that today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord today you will not find it in the field six days you shall gather it but on the seventh day the Sabbath there will be none now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws Exodus 16, 20-28 Looking at this incident, people that trust God turned their silver to profit, the silver of their salvation. And on Saturday, they remained in peace. People with an unfaithful or unthankful heart buried the silver of their salvation into the ground. They did not trust God and left the gathered by them manna until the morning. But when the time came and it was necessary to be in peace, they would come out to gather the manna, but it wasn't there. The condition of an unthankful heart is well illustrated in the prophecies of prophet Amos. Amos 8, 11, 12, Behold, the days are coming says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. Why? Because the Sabbath has come. When God at this time will be at rest with his nation that he prepared, they, in this time, the other began to stink and they can't come to the nation of God because for them this manna stinks and they don't believe in this rest and they will be looking and they will not have peace in their heart. So summing up the above mentioned purpose, we see that God in response to the thanksgiving of the chosen by him person, this person being faithful to his commandments will turn the guarantee of his salvation to profit. God responds with his own thanksgiving by leading the person into his joy. As our time today is finished, right now we will bend our knees, our heads, however who is comfortable, before the Lord, and we will pray and thank Him for that word that we have been able to hear today for this manna. And we will meditate about it so that we can eat it, so that we can turn it to profit. And may the Lord bless us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I worship together with your nation upon this holy place that your hand has appointed to worship your, your name. I thank you for that word that we were able to receive today from your treasury. Today you continue to teach us in what way we are to discipline ourselves, to discipline ourselves into good people so that our heart would be thankful for the virtue of thanksgiving is the thanksgiving of the soul to you. But when people do not have this thanksgiving within their heart, they are not thankful and their heart is not good. 
They are continually rumbling. <clears throat> They're continuously unhappy with what they have. They can't praise and thank God for the little that they have because they look at the communication that they're supposed to have with God as valuable, as important, but temporary things. We thank you, Lord, that you've revealed to us that the price of your, of, of your communication with us is so much greater than what we have. If we have little, this means that you've allowed us to have that much. And when we begin to thank you for the little, then you allow this little to begin to increase because our <coughs> blessing is not from you is not dependent from our earnings. It is dependent from our thanksgiving. If we will thank you truly from the heart because we will believe in you that it is you that gave us this much and that it is enough, then we will ask wisdom and you will make it truly, truly great things with us. First, our corrupt desires will die that we can't fulfill because we don't have enough money for that. I thank you for this revelation and this wisdom. May your mercy be blessed because we don't need a lot in order to be full and to be dressed. We, not even not a lot, but it is enough what we have, and we thank you for that revelation. And the thanks, thankfulness of our heart may it be received by you as a fragrance that is pleasant, as a pleasant aroma before you. <clears throat> I continue to believe, <clears throat> I confess and I meditate about the fact that the day will come in our lives when we will be dressed into the new person that you had create, have created in Christ Jesus in holy and holiness and truth. I believe when, that this will happen, and when this happens, we will not need gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are needed for, until that time that we are dressed into this new person. When we will be dressed into resurrection, we will not need these gifts anymore because not a single sickness will be able to touch us. Not a single virus will be able to fall into our body. And if it, even if it does, it will immediately die because the power of the life that we will be dressed into will be so powerful that there where we will pass, death will step away, we will step upon it, and nothing will harm us. I know that this is written in your word and this is a promise and that there are conditions to be dressed into that promise and I pray that the hearts of your people be opened to know your truth, to get to know your truth, how to be dressed into this person. It is necessary for you to continue to teach us how to remove this old self from, uh, from ourselves, this old nature, this old man, and how to be dressed into the mind of Christ <clears throat> to serve you, the living and true God, and prepare ourselves to meet with you. May your, may your greatness and wisdom be blessed for your people now and forever, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. <clears throat> your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.